0: THE JERUSALEM CHANNEL IS MADE WITH THE SUPPORT OF YOU, OUR VIEWERS. THANK YOU FOR WATCHING. IT'S ESTIMATED BY SOME BIBLE PROPHECY SCHOLARS THAT TWO-THIRDS OF PROFESSING CHRISTIANS ACCEPT REPLACEMENT THEOLOGY. THAT'S THE erroneous IDEA THAT THE CHURCH IS THE NEW ISRAEL AND THAT GOD IS FINISHED WITH THE JEWISH PEOPLE. But it's truly a sad day when a Christian thinks God has turned his back on his everlasting and irrevocable covenants with Israel. If God is a covenant breaker, how can we trust him for our own salvation? Replacement theology has deceived multitudes when, in fact, the churches ought to be teaching Bible prophecy and warning the world never to take in the future what Scripture calls the mark of the beast the bible clearly warns that mark will be indelible and irreversible Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. While the church continues to grow in Africa and Asia, most Western nations are very clearly post-Christian. One of the reasons why nations in the West, particularly America, are in free fall is because so much of the Western institutional church promotes anti-Semitic, anti-Zionist replacement theology, which has been taught all the way back to Augustine in the 4th century saying that the church is the inheritor of God's promises to the Jewish people and that God is no longer committed to his covenants with Israel. So I pray along with the intercessors for Israel's weekly prayer points that the Lord will hear our prayers and cast out all anti-Semitic spirits from the church. We must indeed warn pastors and congregations that they are cutting themselves off from the root of Israel which Romans chapter 11 teaches is foundational for our faith. Shallow sermons on life in general, instead of verse-by-verse study of the Word of God, have produced anemic churches. Unfortunately, congregations tend to lap up these feel-good homilies. God forbid that anybody should develop a calloused, hardened heart towards the nation of Israel, because God says in Romans 11, The Jewish people are beloved for the sake of the biblical patriarchs and because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Fascinating that even now there's a new and non-threatening movement among Israelis to want to receive back into the fold Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Increasingly, some Israelis are willing to claim Yeshua as their greatest native son and some are even acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah of the Gentiles. I just watched a video on YouTube by a Russian-born Israeli friend who is not a Jew for Jesus, but he said he is nevertheless reclaiming Jesus for Jews. It's a non-threatening movement to his Judaism to appreciate Jesus because Jews can finally live in their own state surrounded by their own powerful army, without the threat of religious coercion. Replacement theologians could have saved the Jews and the world untold agony if they would understand that in the Bible, Israel is always Israel and the church is the church. Well, as the church age is winding up, the plans and purposes of the Almighty are unfolding for the kingdom to be restored to Israel at the second coming of Jesus. The prophet Elijah will come again during the great tribulation as one of two witnesses prophesied in Revelation chapter 11, and they will preach with signs and wonders. But meanwhile, an Elijah company, prophetic believers, are already doing Elijah's work of reconciliation, as foretold in Malachi 4, 6, turning the hearts of the parents, the Jews, back to their offspring, the Christians, and turning the hearts of the children, the born-again believers, back to their parents, the descendants of the biblical patriarchs and matriarchs, the Jewish people. This Elijah company is part of the spiritual warfare that is combating end-time anti-Semitism. Bible prophecy is the reason why we should not be surprised by the increase of anti-Semitism in our world today, even though we're still close in time to the Holocaust. Please understand that Satan's anti-Semitism is history's longest war. You can find lists and descriptions of the longest wars in history, such as the 100 Years' War between England and France in the Middle Ages. But Satan's war against the Jews has been going on for a millennia. So we can't be naive and shocked that anti-Semitism has reemerged again after the horrors of the Holocaust. We may try to argue that there's been so much education on the Holocaust. So many eye-opening documentaries. So many Holocaust museums have been opened to the public. So many movies have been produced like Schindler's List. And meanwhile, the Jewish people adamantly say, never again. But Revelation chapter 12 tells us exactly why anti-Semitism is recurrent and why it has not gone away. In Revelation 12, Satan is depicted as a dragon who persecutes the nation Israel. And Israel in that chapter is depicted as a woman who was hated by Satan because she birthed the messiah and that fact just enrages the devil. You know how sometimes you want to fly off the handle when you've had an accident in the kitchen or when you hit your finger with a hammer? Well, Satan feels like that all the time just at the mention of Israel. The presence of the Jews in the earth reminds him of God's sovereignty and of his ultimate defeat. Being self-deceived and in panic mode, Satan truly believes somehow in the end he can win. But of course, he can never defeat the Almighty. Satan is no match. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. And God is infinitely greater. So satanic power and enmity are definitely behind the irrational acts of violence continually committed against the Jewish people. It's Satan's greatest desire to annihilate the Jewish people to try to prevent God's plans and purposes from coming to pass. Satan reasons to himself that if there's no more Jews, God's kingdom cannot come, and then Satan's kingdom can continue indefinitely. But in fact, Revelation chapter 12 says that two wings of a great eagle will be given to the woman Israel so that in the end time she might fly into the wilderness where she will be nourished and protected by God himself in the future. The eagle's wings language in Revelation 12 is reminiscent of the imagery God used in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4, where he said concerning the Israelites, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So in the time to come, the Lord will uplift his remnant people again as it were, on eagles' wings, and they will fly into the wilderness to be sustained away from the wrath of Satan and the Antichrist. There are many biblical clues as to the future location of this hiding place, pointing to the stronghold of Petra in modern-day Jordan, of which I've written extensively in my book, Appointment in Petra. Jesus said the Jews will trigger his second coming by summoning him with the words, Baruch blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Satan's ongoing agenda in his relentless ambition to annihilate the Jewish people continues, but he will never be able to defeat God's holy purposes. The Bible is very clear that when the kingdom of King Messiah comes, it will last a thousand years. And it will be headquartered where? In Israel, in the city of Jerusalem. And that will be the last and final stage in world history. Satan seeks to prevent it because he knows that when the kingdom comes and when Jesus returns, he is doomed. Bible prophecy foretells in Revelation chapter 20 that Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And at the end of the millennial rule of Jesus, Satan will be loosed for a little while in order to try men's hearts again, one final time. But he will be hurled into the lake of fire forever and ever. All of this revelation that I'm sharing with you is part of ongoing spiritual warfare that's so intense that the prophet Daniel predicted the archangel Michael, the guardian of the Jewish people, will become involved in the conflict. We're living in very exciting but tense days of spiritual warfare. Recently, I was blessed by verse four of Psalm 109, in which David lamented all the spiritual and physical warfare he was going through. But he said, I am a man of prayer. Yes, prayer is the antidote to all our struggles. Hebrew is fascinating because it is so succinct. Psalm 109 and verse four literally says in Hebrew, very succinctly, but I, prayer. ani I am prayer. Can we say with the psalmist, I am prayer? I'm a man of prayer. I am a woman of prayer. In other words, I am wholly given over to prayer. That is the intercessor's lifestyle to be the embodiment of prayer. But having said that, spiritual warfare is not just praying. It's also going forward boldly and doing the exploits of God. What I call holy chutzpah, facing demonic opposition head on in the power of the Lord. So we pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit to pour out on every member of the body Messiah a deeper hunger and thirst for understanding of this word, during this dangerous time in history. We must resist all ecumenical ideas of unity for unity's sake and rather seek the goal of God's glory and God's kingdom. Christianity is often overlooked as the fastest growing faith in the world because most surveys about new believers are only looking at the Roman Catholic Church and traditional Protestant denominations while ignoring the large numbers of new believers outside the institutional churches. There are reportedly more than 700 million switched-on disciples of Jesus who don't identify with Catholic, Protestant, or traditional apostolic churches, and many of these new believers worship the Lord in house groups. Literally hundreds of millions of these Christians are simply not associated with any institutional church. They meet not only in homes, but also underground, in secret. In his book, *Mega Shift*, author James Rutz wrote that when he was a kid in Sunday school, he was greatly impressed that 3,000 persons were saved in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. By the way, that great event on the day of Pentecost happened on the southern steps of the Temple Mount area that we can see even today. And when you visit there, you can see the steps where Jesus and the apostles actually stood. Anyway, James Rutz wrote that he thought 3,000 being saved at one time was so stupendous that he never imagined it could happen again. But according to statistical data, reportedly now that many people get saved around the globe every 25 minutes or so. While the mighty works of God are ongoing on earth in the midst of the birth pains of many end time signs, it can become very exhausting to fulfill our roles as evangelists and watchmen intercessors, having to maintain a constant watch over our nations and Israel, especially as we experience the upheavals that Jesus prophesied would occur prior to his return. As an American who holds dual nationality, both American and British, for me, it's very demanding to be an intercessor concerning everything that's happening at breakneck speed in Israel, as well as on both sides of the Atlantic. It has only been the power of God operating on Britain and America that has made these nations superpowers. But the moral fabric of America and the UK has disintegrated at an alarming pace in recent years and it wouldn't take too many calamities for things to spin out of control and for America and Britain to collapse. Through careful study of all the end time prophecies, like many Bible scholars, I see the Lord's second coming as an event that culminates as the apex to a succession of prophecies just as the first coming of Jesus didn't take place in just one day, but it took 33 years, beginning with his miraculous birth and leading up to his atoning death and resurrection. That's why I see in the Word of God a pre-tribulation rapture. When the church is completed, that will take place at least seven years before the great tribulation and before the physical second coming of Jesus to ethnic Israel when he will rule the world from Jerusalem. That entire process will take at least seven years to fulfill all the various Bible prophecies concerning the catching away and the physical return in the end times. If the church is completed and taken out of the way in a pre-tribulation rapture, it's likely that Nations with a sizable number of genuine believers will literally fall apart overnight, thus enabling the Antichrist and his fourth kingdom predicted by prophet Daniel to very quickly fill the vacuum. The rapture is a word inspired by the Latin Vulgate Bible, but the rapture concept is better known in English Bibles as the catching away of believers in the twinkling of an eye. This could certainly explain how the Antichrist will literally be able to take control of a chaotic world in a short period of time. Many believers in America, for example, are currently restraining evil. But with the sudden disappearance of believers through the prophesied catching away described in 1 Thessalonians four seventeen, when the Lord descends in the atmosphere, America's strength would be sapped We shouldn't be surprised as we see beginning all around us, growing censorship and surveillance, talk of a digital currency, food chain supply disruptions, and pandemics, because the New Testament clearly teaches that at the end of the church age, perilous times will come, along with wars and rumors of wars. False Christs and false prophets are going to make deception worldwide Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, 24 that false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Already nation is rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's an increase in famines, pestilences, multiple earthquakes. Lawlessness and immorality are abounding while the love of many has grown cold. Mothers are willing to sacrifice full-term babies in the womb or even after birth. As the Apostle Paul foretold in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So many cultural Christians will fall away from the faith, seduced by these doctrines of demons. Yet, amazingly, While all of these end time signs continue to proliferate, also the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Amazing miracles are happening, especially in the Muslim world. And the gospel of Jesus is being preached throughout the world on TV, the internet, podcasts, and during the Great Tribulation, even an angel in heaven will preach the everlasting gospel along with two biblical witnesses and 144,000 Jewish and Israelite evangelists who will be especially sealed by God. Furthermore, God is unsealing end-time prophecy for all to understand and interpret so as to prepare for the Lord's second coming. According to Daniel twelve nine, the words of this book are closed up and sealed forever. No, until the time of the end. And none of the wicked shall understand, but it says the wise shall understand. Recently, I've been reporting on weekly developments toward the rebuilding of the Jewish temple, which can only mean that the rise of the Antichrist is on the horizon because it's prophesied that he will defile the holy place. The confirmation of a false peace treaty with this anti-Messiah will start God's stopwatch again, for the counting down of seven years of tribulation upon the earth, culminating with the battle of Armageddon and the return of Jesus to earth to set up his thousand year millennial kingdom. So now I've said all of this because I'm finally coming to the heart of today's program. And thank you for bearing with me. It's very important in this interim period to warn the world repeatedly not to take the dreaded mark of the beast. In the future, a mandatory mark will be enforced on the forehead or right hand that will permit people to engage in commerce, but the price to do business will be too great because the mark will also result in eternal damnation. Believers are not supposed to be scared, but we are supposed to be prepared to understand the times. The book of Revelation predicts that a false prophet will set up a system so that he and a future global dictator known as the Antichrist will force people to receive a mark on either their foreheads or their right hands. In other words, if a person has had their arm amputated, they can still be marked on their forehead. Recently, we were staying in a hotel that had a contraption set up at the entrance to take our body temperatures. We had to align our foreheads with the monitor, and then an automated voice said, normal, and we were allowed to proceed inside. In the future, the global system will demand to know all kinds of information about people, including their body temperatures, because health is being increasingly monitored as a way of controlling the masses. The book of Revelation states that anyone who will not worship the Antichrist will be killed. But I'm here to tell you that it will be better to die than to take the damnable mark. Listen to the book of Revelation describing the false prophet and what he's going to do. And by the way, the book of Revelation claims a special blessing when reading it aloud. So not only be blessed, but be forewarned as I read from Revelation chapter 13, describing the false prophet. It says, He was granted power to give breath to an image of the beast. This will be some sort of artificial intelligence that it should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And it says, He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And no one can buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, it says. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, 666. Furthermore, the next chapter Revelation 14 warns, that if anyone worships a beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night for those who worship the beast, his image. And receives the mark of his name. Now, then, lately I've been meditating on why taking the mark of the beast is described in the book of Revelation as a sin that cannot be reversed. What does the gospel say is the unforgivable sin? In Mark chapter 3, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and they can be forgiven every slander they've ever uttered. But with one exception he gave in the next verse, Jesus said, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And then the next verse, Mark 3, 30, explains why a blasphemer in that category could never be forgiven. You see, certain ones were claiming that Jesus had an unclean spirit and Jesus said that lie was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. His opponents were saying that the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was actually a demon. And that was the unforgivable sin to attribute to the devil the mighty works of God. Now, the mark of the beast will also be blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. In the language of the book of Revelation, the Antichrist will be indwelt by Satan, but claim to be God. So the scenario in Revelation is the very opposite of Mark chapter 3, but essentially the same blasphemous nature. Can you see that? In the future, those who take the mark will accept it from the devil, but worship the Antichrist in his image as God. So anybody who takes the mark will participate in blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Also, an additional thought discussed by prophecy watchers as to the damnable nature of the mark is that somehow the mark's technology could transform a person's DNA, technically making him or her into a hybrid. And salvation is offered to humans, not to hybrids. The sad reality is that there are many stubborn people out there who will not accept God's free gift of eternal salvation during this, the church age, when they could be saved and participate in the rapture. It's vitally important that we pray that our loved ones will not miss the pre-tribulation rapture of genuine believers. But if loved ones do miss the rapture, they must be warned never to take the cursed mark of the beast. They must be told that it's better to die a martyr than to be eternally damned by partaking of that unforgivable sin. The Bible teaches us that believers are not supposed to go along with evil just to get along. Ephesians 5:11, in fact, admonishes us not to participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Amen. Today's good news is that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You will be eternally marked in the sight of God by the atoning blood of Jesus, and you will be sealed by the Holy Spirit. For the scripture says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what are your thoughts about the heresy of replacement theology? To share your comments and questions, let's chat through social media and be sure to explore our website, exploits.tv. And don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel app to access all of our videos and Bible reading plan. We also offer many articles and eBooks available on our website on a variety of important subjects, Until our next time together, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom. Don't take that mark. And Maranatha.